This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Those who have had near-death experiences open a window to what exists after death for those of us who have not yet had a glimpse of it. The sill widens to allow us new insight and an infusion of light. One of the remarkable things Trisha Barker has learned through her research of near-death experiences and those in a coma is that often the most compromised of physical bodies have the most transcendental experiences. Imagine your back completely crushed in a car crash, so forcefully that you are constrained by a body cast for months. Trisha Barker shares with us how, in moments after an accident, she was touched by a profound radiance. Its presence imbues her storytelling and her life. The two angels sent waves of intense light, which transferred many messages to me all at once. The light emitted from the eyes of the angels flowed directly into my spirit body, allowing me to access information faster than the fastest possible broadband speed. Messages were given in the form of completed thoughts and feelings, not individual words. The knowledge they sent into my spirit form not only felt comforting, but it also altered the way I viewed everything about my life. Light is central to the accounts of people who have had near-death experiences, so much so that books about the topic often include the word in the title. Transformed by Light, Lessons from Light, Divine Light, and The Light Beyond. Trisha describes her experience of the light. Light seemed to contain both healing power and knowledge. A large part of me never wanted to leave the safety of that place. I felt no stress and more love than I ever imagined possible. I felt more joy and contentment than even the brightest moments of this life ever provided, and I did not want to return to my body. No person had ever shown me a love like this love. I had no idea it was possible to feel this good. If a soul could smile, then my soul smiled and I drowsed comfortably without worry. Valeria interviews Trisha Barker. She experienced a profound near-death experience during her senior year of college, and this experience guided her to teach overseas in public schools and at the college level. Her near-death experience story has been featured on I Survived, Beyond and Back, National Geographic magazine, Simple Grace magazine, an article in Women's World magazine, and featured on The Dr. Oz Show. 
Trisha's memoir, Angels in the OR, What Dying Taught Me About Healing, Survival, and Transformation, tells a story of her near-death experience, teaching mission, and eventual triumph over her trauma in her past. The book also focuses on the importance of being service to the world and the healing power of giving unconditional love to others. She believes that joy, humor, and healing is available to everyone through a deeper connection to divinity. Trisha Barker and a longtime writer for Hallmark have recently completed a screenplay based on her book. Trisha is a graduate of the University of Texas. She also received her MFA in creative writing from Goddard College. Currently, she teaches English and creative writing at a beautiful community college in Fort Worth, Texas. She interviews other near-death experiencers, researchers, healers, spiritual teachers, and mediums on her YouTube channel. Her poetry and essays have been published in several publications. Her website is trishabarkernde.com. Here is the interview with Trisha Barker. In your own words, who is Trisha Barker? Well, hi. I would call myself a professor because that was the mission from God to work with the youth. But I'm also a near-death experiencer. And this worldly mission of working in academia is coupled with really being a spiritual light and mentor to young people in this world. That sounds wonderful. Thank you. Before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Angels in the OR, What Dying Taught Me About Healing, Survival, and Transformation, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. The first four questions, they have to do with life. What is life to you, Tricia? Oh, life in the physical realm is an opportunity to me to bring in as much of that light from the spiritual realm as possible. So when I had that near-death experience, this kind of looked like a play. And this looked like our soul was here to learn lessons and to bring in as much beauty as possible. But we really get tested when we're here. I mean, we get tested to the point where we're very much in the physical and very much in our pain and forget about God and angels and and that spiritual realm. But I think that's the point is to bring it in. Yeah, that resonates with me a lot. I'll ask you the next follow-up question. What do you think is the opposite of life? Oh, the opposite of life and living would be a total blankness and devoid of connection, connection to nature, people, God, the spirit world, that basically, you know, when you look at, say, extreme narcissism or this ability to just focus on the self, which some people do, I think that is the opposite of living. Like living is living in connection with everyone and everything. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely love that. And resonates true. The next one question is about the purpose of life. Do you think that life has a grand, ultimate purpose for all of us? I do think our souls come in with a particular mission. And it's almost like, 
your soul is the student or this child that is like, I love beauty. I love art. This is what I want to do. Or it just has like a simple mission. And then life is kind of complicated. But I think when we connect with that inner child and that beauty of our soul, we get back to the basics of what we want to do. And we kind of forget the rest, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Going back to um, innocence in a way, just uh, seeing life in a new way with new eyes every day, every moment. That makes sense to me. My next question is about purpose. We all look to have a purpose, a mission in life. Do you think we have more than one purpose? I do. You know, what I learned from the near-death experience was some basic truths that love is all we take with us. So love can mean a lot of different things. Someone can love engineering and building bridges. Someone can love owning a coffee shop and making people happy with pastries. People can love just taking care of their family and love in that way. So love is usually something we do. It's an action and it's infused with our joy for life. So I'd say there's many different ways that we can love this world. And I look at it this way. I think, well, what if I was quite old and I didn't have much energy left? I could still pray for people. I could still be kind to the other people, maybe in a nursing home where I was, or I could walk out to a park bench and and just smile at someone or get into a conversation with someone. And isn't that purpose to uplift someone? Mm, it could be really simple, as you just said. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. What is another word for death? Oh, death is a rebirth into life. I think that was one of the quotes I used in my book. And I forgot what great author said that, but it certainly felt like birth into another realm. I think we fear death because we see it as the ending of this physical existence, but really it's this opening to a consciousness that understands so much more than we understand in this physical form. I feel like the physical form limits the consciousness that we bring through. And, and a lot of people, of course, are awakening to their spiritual gifts, but, but over there, wow, you're really gifted. <laughs> Why is the human experience needed if it is so limited to the spirit, to the soul? I think we like the challenge. We must come here for the challenge because it's it's so easy to forget that realm. And sometimes for stubborn ones like <laughs> me, it yeah. takes a near-death experience <laughs> where you really have a, a hard physical lesson, but you get a beautiful spiritual lesson out of it. But I think we like the challenge. If you think of Olympic athletes or you think of, you know, all these people who train so hard, I think being human and limiting that spiritual knowledge is a great challenge. Yeah, it's a challenge worth taking though, I think, because the beauty is when the human spirit and the heart overcomes tribulations and trials. I think in times we're seeing of great change, it's going to be great acts of love and great acts of connection that really show us the way. Being here in a human body is the only way to experience the spirit in a way, because I don't think we can't do that uh, without 
the body? Or can we experience the spirit, know what that is and feels like if we are not in the body? Yeah. So I was agnostic when I had my near-death experience. So I really didn't have a connection to spiritual experience at that time. But when I had that near-death experience, I awakened to my soul, my spirit, and it was like an entity to me. And this body just seemed like, oh, I could leave that behind and I could just live as this soul. And, and then when I came back to the body, I was aware of my soul, but it was, uh, it was more of a battle, if that makes sense. Like, okay, then I'm going to follow my spirit, but oh, here I am in the physical world and I have to eat and I have to take care of myself and I want to be in love. And, you know, there's all these <laughs> yeah. things that, that you want here. And sometimes they're in contrast to what your soul wants. It kind of now comes together the idea of wanting, wishing for that challenge, because now we are in a way, forced to connect body, mind, spirit, everything, just bring all these elements together. It is an amazing experience, which I believe being in a human body is a miracle, isn't it, Tricia? Yeah, it truly is. It, it can be a beautiful experience. It can be a painful experience. It's um, many things at once. Right, right. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? Oh, what a great question. You know, there's freedom of spirit. There's freedom to do what you want. But I think my particular soul came into this life to experience greater freedom as a woman. And that's a big part of what I wanted from this lifetime. And that's maybe the freedom to express myself without censure. That's the freedom to be an artist. That's the freedom to make a living and make choices the way I want to make choices for my life. But freedom, but the greatest freedom of spirit, I think is this connection to the power of God, this unlimited love that makes us greater than who we are, if that makes sense. That that love that I touched over there made me more in tune with loving others than I ever would have been had I not connected with that unconditional, amazing love. Right. Do you think it's possible for us to make that connection without a traumatic experience or uh, suffering? Oh, yes. I think that meditation opens so many people to a greater peace and a real connection to healing. I think Lucid dreaming and paying attention to one's dreams can open one's consciousness to connection with ancestors, to healing angels. I think that there's a lot of ways to connect with spirit. And some of it takes some dedication and practice. I think for me, I always remind people like try meditation out in nature. There's something about the beauty and the peace of nature that can facilitate a greater consciousness and connection. Is this a practice or once we make that connection and we understand deeply what life is all about, then it just becomes a awareness and practice is no longer needed. Is that the case for you? 
Um, you know, I think I still need that practice to take that time to connect in a deep way. When I don't, my my life kind of suffers and in little ways that I think meditation, especially in times of great change, we need it's like self-care. It's it's us taking a moment, even if it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes to go. I'm open to all that loving energy of the universe coming to me fully and healing any pain in my body, healing any pain in my soul. I think it's a beautiful practice for people to do. But yeah, we can stay, you know, like a mystic, we can stay connected all day long and, you know, feel that. So I think, I think both are important, but, you know, maybe it's kind of hard to stay constantly in that flow. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is. We're talking about self-love in this subject that I really love and self-love that I'm very attracted to for some reason. So I'll ask you these questions. Uh, the first one's about love. What is love to you? Yeah, so one of the messages from my near-death experience was love is all that matters and all we take with us. And I think it's frequently misunderstood. So love to me is bringing in that unconditional love of God into this world. So how do you do that? Sometimes people do that through their job, through loving other people, through the creation of something. But I think love is what makes this life uh, feel better. It makes it full of healing, but yeah, it, It also begins with a relationship that you have with yourself and with God and you honor yourself. So it's both self-respect and self-love. Like a lot of people in this world, I'm just going to be frank, and I've struggled with this too, maybe didn't have enough love growing up. And so they think, oh, I'm in a relationship, you know, I really want this person to love me. And they think love is all that matters in that sense when actually they're being treated really badly. And sometimes God wants you to stop and go, hey, if I really loved myself, I'd just connect with God in this moment. I'd understand what love is and maybe I wouldn't even participate in a relationship with this person. So true. It was my case for many, many years. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? That's such a fascinating question. The part of it that fascinates me the most is I think we should grow, but yet at the same time, grant ourselves and others grace. So like a good teacher, a good coach is going to show you how to improve, but they're not going to criticize you so much that you don't want to try. So I think we should treat ourselves with that same love. Like, yeah, be better, Um, be better in this next situation and love ourselves through it. It's not a, it's not an opportunity to beat ourselves up. Like the no good seems to come from self-hatred that uh, flowering and beauty and growth seems to come from love. Yes, a thousand times, Trisha. Yes. And you speak of God in a way that's interesting. So I'm going to ask you this question. What, where, and who is God to you? Another great question. So. Before my near-death experience, God was a concept that people talked about in religion, and it was in the Bible, and and it was literally just this concept. When I had this experience, God was this loving energy of light. So all intelligent, all loving, 
the most beautiful experience that my soul has ever imagined or could imagine. Do you see a difference between spirituality and religion? Oh, definitely. So after my near-death experience, I didn't care if I walked into a temple or a group of people meditating or a Christian church or a Buddhist gathering, as long as I felt the energy of love. I knew that I was safe and all was right. And I think that energy became what guided me. So some churches seem to be honestly full of judgment and a little bit of negative energy, but then other churches could be just full of service and love and the Holy Spirit. And I would be perfectly fine there, even if I didn't align with every message that I was aligning myself with the right energy, if that makes sense. So I think Some people come to spiritual gatherings for greater spiritual knowledge, and that's kind of an intellectual pursuit, whereas I I go for the energy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, I mean, in all places, I, I seek good energy, if that makes sense. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? Yes. So I think a lot of people are beginning to tap into this vision for a new reality. And part of what I'm seeing is a greater balance with nature. So technology is wonderful and it connects us. But in our local communities, I think there needs to be a greater focus on bartering and trade and growing vegetables and being more in touch with the earth and taking back some of our power. And this might take generations. This may not happen, you know, all in our lifetime, uh, but we can start moving in that direction of creating greater balance that what I think we need to do, and I've felt this from spirits that I've contacted and felt in different locations, is the Native Americans who are here want us to be in greater balance with the earth, with the planet. And maybe we can still hang on to some of the benefits of technology, but just live in harmony. And that's going to be just an interesting journey. I think there is going to be, like we're seeing now, some suffering in the transition. And I think as a light worker, uh, even when I'm not able to participate, I'm always sending love. I'm always sending greater peace to areas of conflict or pain or suffering. What is your understanding and idea of peace? I think peace is found in unity with other people in community and really just in safety. When I was on the other side, God gave me such great peace because I felt safe. So wherever we can create safety, whether that is a spiritual community, a classroom, whatever that situation is, our own homes, it is that moment of like, oh, you take a deep breath and you're fine and everyone's fine and you can just be you. And I think that's that's what being peace at peace means to me. So let's talk about your book. What was the intention of writing your book, Angels in the OR? Yeah, so first I just wanted to tell the story of the accident and near-death experience. I'm, I hope to make near-death experiences more mainstream. I interview other near-death experiencers on my YouTube channel, and I just wanted to be a, a relatable young woman in college who had a near-death experience because that's who I was. And I thought maybe a younger crowd could connect with me because I was at 
a party school. I was agnostic. You know, there was a lot of things about me where I was just not on a spiritual path, but I had this profound spiritual awakening through a near-death experience. So that was the main mission. But then I was a young person and young people still have a lot of emotional growing and, and life experiences to walk through. And I think a lot of people have this idea that you have a near-death experience and then you're just an angel and life is just perfect and you know it's going to unfold for you wonderfully. But one of the things that I wanted to focus on in the book is that after a spiritual experience, you still have to work in systems, school systems or whatever business you're in. And you might encounter people who do not want you to succeed or are harmful in some way. And, you know, how do you teach others? How do you be a source of light uh, amidst really difficult situations? And I thought everyone struggles, whether they've had an awakening or not. So I wanted to write in that sense. Yeah. And that it's really an inspirational to hear that perspective. It seems to me like the only place that we can speak of with the soul confidence is from direct experience. So I love your work and what you do because it has that voice of confidence that comes from that place. But my next question here is what lessons, profound lessons did near-death experience teach you? And how has it transformed your life? In what ways, more precisely? Yeah, great question. So the main things that I learned from that near-death experience is that the spirit goes on, of course. Angels work through us. And I was told that love is all that matters and all we take with us. So all the things we worry about that don't have anything to do with the love we're giving to this world, well, it's really not that important, you know, that we worry about too many things, like just focus on love and then also go to nature for healing. So meditation is great. When you meditate in nature, it's greater. You know, when you are in a bad mood and you walk outside, uh, your mood is going to be lifted a little. We forget that nature is a great healer and that God is an energy of love that we can continue to use as a source. So how it transformed me, I was really pretty sad before the near-death experience, and I was pretty joyful and silly afterwards because I didn't take all of this quite so seriously. <laughs> and I felt like I'd been given the secret. We go on. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> True. That's a big one. So I'm wondering if this profound understanding of what life really is, does it eliminate all doubts? Yeah, so all doubt was erased because I had no fear of death and I was tested after the near-death experience. I, years later, I was on a plane and the plane lost both of its engines and was going down and we were in crash position. And I felt fine. I was just praying to God and praying with the passengers next to me and I'm reminding them that if they focused on God, our souls would immediately, I knew that our souls would just simply leave our bodies and we'd merge with God. And I had no fear of death in that moment. So that was a huge difference of who I would have been before. And I think that's, that's uh, one of the huge transformations. Yes. Wow. Not to be afraid of death, right? The physical death. I agree. Your book focuses on being of service to the world and others and the healing power of giving unconditional love to others. 
So I'm wondering what your take is or your suggestions are for practicing unconditional self-love for ourselves and others on a daily basis. Oh, good question. So as a teacher, I was lucky and that was God's mission for me because I walked into a classroom and I was there to help people succeed. I mean, it looked at my job that way. And I was also non-judgmental. So if you walk into a situation with no judgment and you think, how can I make this person's life better in some way? One of the ways that you can make someone's life better is point out what they're doing right, what they are doing well, what they have talents in, to see the good in others and to vocalize that. So a lot of children grow up with a lot of criticism and sometimes parents do it for their own benefit. They don't want them to get hurt, but then this child lives with all this criticism and they don't hear all the things that they do right. And people excel and grow and shine when they're told what they do right. And that was a a big way of simply giving love was seeing the light and seeing the talent and seeing all the good in students and not in that superficial way, like, oh, I like your shoes or your hair's so cute, but it's more like, wow, that was a deep thought that you had. And, oh, your writing in this paragraph is amazing. So even if they were struggling, I wanted to point out what they did well. Oh, I love that. Yeah, in a way, it's a changing focus on our opinions of others and focus on the positive or the uh, constructive way of communicating. I love that. Going back to this experience, so this connection to divinity that we already have. So accessing that, does it only take direct experience or can we somehow access that without the experience? Oh, I think you can. And a lot of people uh, have great moments in meditation where they feel God. And then other people, and myself included, you know, we just ask for things, we forget about it, and then we see it materialize. And there's so many different ways to make breakthroughs in life. I'm a big believer in past life regressions and all kinds of different therapies and doing healing work, because sometimes it takes another person to reconnect us to that beauty. And that's perfectly fine. The angels and God can work through other people. So if you are hoping to have that connection, you can find it sometimes through that search. I mean, you can also find it alone in meditation, but you can also find it, you know, through a search. I have another question here. I know you interviewed other near-death experiencers and researchers, healers, spiritual teachers, and mediums. What uh, have you learned from them that was different from your own experience? Oh, so many different things. You know, I've interviewed different people who have their oneness experience in the afterlife was a little more comprehensive than mine. I have interviewed people who've had hellish experiences. And I, I first I was not very open to that idea because that was not my experience. But, you know, for that person, you know, for Howard Storm, that was needed on his journey. And I think that was the differentiation. And I, I think I was so happy to point that out because it allowed me to remind people that grace is always possible. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to um, judge yourself. You know, you don't have to go through that if you don't want to, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. But uh, mediums and spiritual teachers have opened up my gifts to a greater degree. So I always tell people, connect with others because sometimes you don't give your own gifts enough validation. But once you hear someone explain it, then you go, oh, yeah, I, I understand that. I do that. And I think we all can be mediums. It's just a, a we have to open to that possibility that our ancestors are there and the, the spirits are there. So I think mediums are beginning to help other people be their own medium. And I love that. Yeah, me too. Do you also train others to become mediums? I always hope to. So if someone books a reading with me, I set that up and I really ask them to open their own awareness and I'll explain anything that I can to help them. And I always pray that they continue to have dreams or feelings or moments where they are connecting with their loved ones. Yeah. And that's basically um, intuition work, isn't it, Trisha, to become a medium? Yeah, yeah, that it is opening up that. And it's easier for some people than others. You know, I've noticed that engineers and people who are very, very smart and left-brained, they have to do a little more practice, but they can get there. <laughs> True, yeah. It takes more work, but yeah, everyone can do it. I agree. I have a few more questions for you. You talk about this awareness, that, that there is a great awareness, or we should actually awaken the awareness for the energy of certain foods. So be aware of that, that and the importance of treating our bodies like a temple. So I'm wondering what those foods, are there specific foods that carry certain spiritual or higher vibrational energy? spiritual energy. Yeah. It's funny. Maybe I didn't learn this from my near-death experience, but I learned this from my grandmother who was in the country and she'd pick things straight from her garden and she'd cook these things and she'd say, oh, this is extra good for you because the sunlight is still in it. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that really just kind of stuck with me. But things that are non-processed and you know things that come straight from the earth, I think have a higher vibration. So no matter what you choose, you know, there's fads and diets, always just make sure that you have whole unprocessed food in your diet. I, I remind my students of that, like, hey, don't grab a cliff bar, grab a banana or an <laughs> apple. And they listen. <laughs> yeah. And it's common sense in a way, isn't it? But like a lot of people say, common sense is not too common, <laughs> unfortunately. So I have a few questions for you. I call them final questions. Would you like to add anything or read a passage um, in your book? That is a great question. The only thing that I would like to add, you've just been such a great interviewer, is that if anyone is hurting, if anyone is going through a difficult time, please do everything you can to change your situation. And I have suffered a lot in life and I know that positive thinking, therapy, working with healers, going to nature, connecting with God, connecting with my angels, eventually makes that shift. So I, I guess I just care about people and I keep talking because I want someone who's in a bad place to hear this and just be ignited with greater motivation and passion to make their life better. Mm, yeah, what a beautiful message. Thank you, Tricia, for the work you do and the intention behind the work. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself and life in a human body? Oh, the hardest lesson was that um, people around me were not loving sometimes, and I had to protect myself. And people could be 
very cruel. I mean, you know, in this world, people are murdered, they're raped, they're, you know, traumatized by lots of things. And to be in this body, you know, I, I did suffer some pretty intense traumas in childhood and after the near-death experience. And and yet I still have to believe that the soul is greater than the trauma. Mm, that's wonderful. Thank you. What is another word for healing? Yeah, another word for healing is freedom from pain. Because when you no longer are in pain, then you're turning towards your joy. And that's healing when you're walking in the direction of love, joy, happiness, and being fully alive. Beautiful. Beautiful. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? <laughs> um, not too much other than one of the things that I would do differently is tell people more frequently how much I love them and appreciate them. And really at the every, after every outing, I would probably just tell my friends, hey, you're awesome and I love this about you. That that kind of feedback is, if we knew we were going to die, we just appreciate others more. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? <laughs> Two things that I know for sure about life is that love heals all pain and God's love heals all pain. And we go on after death. Like we <laughs> truly do. It's a spiritual reality. It was not a dream or a hallucination. This was a spiritual reality that I touched. Thank you so much for your presence and your wisdom. I love your wisdom. Oh, thank you for your wisdom and your great show. <laughs> <laughs> One more technical question. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? You can find me at trishabarkerinde.com. And I'd love it if you connected with my website. I'm giving a free summit August 1st and 2nd and interviewing a ton of near-death experiencers. So I'd love to have you join. Wonderful. Thank you so much again, Trisha, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye for now. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Trisha Barker, please visit her website, trishabarkernde.com. more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.